Welcome to the Fantasy Football Brothers Podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm here with my younger brother, Carson, and we are on to week 11 of the 2022 season. Here we are, and uh, just to do a recap of our predictions with our picks that we do each week, Blake, 84 and 66 wrong, and I have 90 correct and 60 wrong. So uh, what, what was the difference that was made after last week? What's the review? You actually picked up two games on Oh, me. yeah. That's awesome. Uh, but you know what? The, the last week was just about the worst I could ever imagine doing because of how many just unexpected outcomes there were last week. I did look back over, and a lot of my bold predictions, uh, not my not my boldest, like the Jaguars one was probably the boldest, that one did not pan yeah. out, but like the yeah. Steelers, that, that's one example of one that uh, mm-hmm. that panned out for me. So yeah, but we got four teams on by this week, the Jaguars, Buccaneers, Seahawks, and Dolphins. Um, how about that AFC East? <laughs> Dolphins are a part of that. <laughs> And that's quite the division. Yeah. Um, Bills are currently second, maybe even third. What What is the standings? Uh, it's something ridiculous. No, they should be... You're calling me out on the spot here. Yeah, I know. Um, Buffalo has two losses, making them still the number one, I think. Is oh, no, that... they're six and three. Let's they're six see. and three. Six so and it's, three. It's, it's Dolphins. Uh, technically, the Jets have the wow. one-game edge based on head-to-head. Yeah. So it should go Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Patriots. Well, uh, they no one will face the Dolphins this week because they're on bye, of course, and we see the Buccaneers mm-hmm. and Seahawks coming back from Germany and each being on a bye, and the Jaguars as well. Uh, I'll be missing uh, ETN personally, but we can move on to talking about Thursday night football. Uh, Titans at Packers, two awesome offenses to talk about. But I got a little bit more of the Titans to say than just start Derrick Henry, even though that might end up being the outcome of all this discussion. Um, but Ryan Tannehill had a season high in passing attempts, but that only amounted to 19 completions in week 10. Traylon Burks made his return from IR, playing his first game since week four, and uh, he didn't do a whole lot. As I already said, Ryan Tannehill didn't have a ton of completions, but someone that did do a whole lot with their limited receptions was Nick Westbrook-Akine, who caught two receiving touchdowns on five receptions. I feel like I know your answer, but news or noise. Yeah, I would call it noise. I mean, one of the reasons is that Ryan Tannehill had such a low passing volume game, and that's not atypical of their scheme in yeah. Tennessee. Uh, the <laughs> other part of it is that you know one of them was a was a flea flicker, um, yeah. just a you know busted play, made a made a move in open field and got in the end zone. But yeah, it's just it's unpredictable usage from the receivers on that offense, or I guess you can always predict on them being low typically. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, not really too interested in Westbrook Akine or Traylon Burks. You know, just it's a low passing volume offense. There's not a lot of upside there. Yeah, a season high in passing attempts amounting to 19 completions really does say it all for this passing offense. Um, continue to start Derrick Henry, and that's really it. You can't trust any of these yeah. receivers week to week. Uh, so we'll move on to the Packers. Aaron Rodgers threw a season high of three passing touchdowns on a season low in passing attempts and completions. I thought that was kind of That's interesting. Efficiency. Yeah, th- that is for sure. Um, Christian Watson caught all three of these touchdowns on only four mm. receptions. <laughs> That's somehow even yeah. more efficient. Uh, he played a season high of snaps at 84%. So I guess I'll ask, do you think... Uh, I mean, Everyone expected Alan Lazard to be the person to... Uh, for this entire season, he's kind of been the most consistent wide receiver on the team. And now with Romeo Definitely. Dobbs being out, being on IR due to an injury, um, or just out in general, people expected Alan Zard to be even more consistent, but then we see this boom week from Watson. So do you expect Watson to emerge, or is it going to 
just happened to where it's back to being Lazard consistent and no one else. No, honestly, it was a it was a stressful game to watch as someone who manages Alan Lazard, um, only getting four targets, and that that long play that he had came very late. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was prior to overtime, I want to say, uh, but his his long of the game was uh, was late, so he he basically got all of his fantasy points towards the end of that game, uh, which was stressful. Um, but watching Christian Watson kind of deliver on some of those passes that we've seen Aaron Rodgers send his way earlier in the season, I mean, think back to the season opener. The The very first play from scrimmage was that long bomb to yeah. Christian Watson that fell right through his hands, and who knows where he would be season-wise if you know he had caught that pass. That's so true. I think, um, honestly... Um, I'm going to look at what Watson did. I, I know he did get targeted quite a bit. He got eight targets yeah, in this game. He did. Two Lazard's four. Um, again, I don't know the if uh, Trayvon Diggs had any uh, shadow mm. coverage in that game necessarily, yeah. but that, that may have been limiting uh, Lazard a bit. Um, but I think that, honestly, what we've seen so far in the season, what's more realistic, that Alan Lazard gets back to doing what he's been doing earlier in the year, or that this is the new Christian Watson coming off of a concussion and he's just going to take the world by storm. I, I think more realistically, it's going to be Lazard. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Lazard's still clearly the wide receiver you want to have on this Packers offense. I will say, though, the season high in snap percentage for Watson is great, but that efficiency is mm-hmm. even better than Gabe Davis's efficiency <laughs> with touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, he is rostered in 69% of the league, so there might be a chance that he's on the waivers. I would definitely say pick him up in that instance, but... Mm-hmm. I don't think you can start him with confidence unless he just obviously ends up being such a end zone threat and target for Aaron Rodgers. Um, but we'll see. He's playing. Yeah, Thursday, and, and so. that and that roster that roster percentage that you're referencing is coming off of a 52 percent bump uh, wow. off this recent waiver period. So it, everyone's kind of you know playing with the new toy and seeing what it gets them. True, true. But like I like I was alluding to, I think it would be bold to play him this Thursday. Um, but that's just my opinion. Uh, another aspect of this offense that did well uh, in Week 10 was Aaron Jones, who rushed for over 100 yards and a touchdown on 26 total touches. Monitor's injury status. Uh, he's a shin injury. As he was a limited participant in Tuesday's practice, that still is apparently the most up-to-date news that we have as of recording this. Um, but yeah, I mean, A.J. Dillon, you're not starting him. You can't start him. Aaron Jones looks like... Uh, someone who's super consistent, and this is kind of surprising how this has gone mm-hmm. this this season. At one point, we almost thought that Dylan looked like he'd have the better floor, um, but no, it, it's clearly Aaron Jones' backfield. It's no longer the one A, one B, at least looking at it statistically. Yeah, I don't think you can make that argument that it is that close between the two. Um, to me, AJ Dylan is nothing more than a handcuff, an insurance back. Uh, he doesn't have any standalone value with how they're utilizing him on the offense. And so, yeah, if you roster Aaron Jones, hopefully you have A.J. Dillon for that insurance policy. Um, but uh, other than that, he's, he's just, a, just a handcuff. And here's an interesting one before we wrap up and make our selections. Do you think that this efficiency that we saw from Aaron Rodgers makes him— I mean, he's still rostered in 77% of leagues, but in our league, he was dropped. So are you more in— is he more enticing to you to make your roster if he was on the waivers because of what he did last week? Because overall this season, he's been pretty mediocre. Well, I, I would I would look at it this way. If you're looking to pick up Aaron Rodgers off the waivers, what does your quarterback situation have to look like? 
Yeah. Um, because this is a QB that's outside of the top 10, outside of the top 12. So uh, he is a bi-week fill-in by definition. Uh, and so, I mean, maybe you've just been rocking with Tua and Aaron Rodgers is on the waivers. I mean, sure. that's an option, I suppose. But um, there, there are a few paths that I see relevant to getting to picking up Aaron Rodgers and using him this week. I'm actually going to pick against him, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, Against the Titans, you, I'm going with the Titans. The Packers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, differing already. So, there we go. Uh, we can move on to the first Sunday game at noon. Bears at Falcons. So, if the Bears... <laughs> Justin Fields, oh my gosh. I think he's leading <laughs> the league in rushing yards since week six or something like that. He's got, like, 555 rushing yards since uh, week six. That's what I saw, I believe. But he's got back-to-back QB1, the QB1 performances... Uh, Justin Fields does in his past two games. So across those two games, which have been against the Dolphins and the Lions, both at home in Chicago, Fields has rushed for 325 yards and three rushing touchdowns while throwing five passing touchdowns on 29 completions across the two games. Um, mm-hmm. Is it unfair to be skeptical of Fields' recent performances? I, I find myself still being a little bit of a skeptic. Well, I think, I mean, obviously the game against Detroit where... It's just, you know, one of the worst defenses in the league. I get that to a, to an extent. But Miami is a legitimate defense. Yes. And the the real thing is it's the 325 rushing yards number. Yes. Um, rushing touchdowns help, of course. And, you know, without uh, Khalil Herbert moving forward for the next four games at least, um, Justin Fields has more rushing upside in the red zone, if that's even possible. Uh <laughs> I mean, yeah, the the rushing yards, the rushing floor that you're getting from Justin Fields makes him almost an automatic QB1. So uh, this week against the Falcons, I mean, what what's really going to change? That's I, what I, I mean. Like, anything's going to change. Who you, You're only starting probably the elite QBs over him, and you're maybe thinking about starting him over anyone else, potentially. I'll tell you this. In, in my ESPN league, I've got Joe Burrow at Pittsburgh, and I have Justin Fields. I'm probably starting justin fields this week yeah it's crazy we're talking about a, a quarterback whose season high in completions is 17 <laughs> but it, it's that he rushing just gets floor. it done with his legs it, it is that rushing floor i mean he's had five games with over 10 rushing attempts and he keeps on scoring rushing touchdowns i mean he has five in his last four games uh, and he's figured out how to throw passing touchdowns with uh seven in his last three while Prior to that, the first seven games, he had five total. So Yeah, he, he's, he's been extremely efficient, and I think they're utilizing him uh, to really kind of accommodate his skill set, which I think is great. Um, it's what we were kind of hoping for in the yeah. offseason, saying that, you know, if he can take that next step, similar to a Jalen Hurts, uh, that this was going to be the type of production we could see, uh, not every week, but more often than not, yeah. let's say that. And someone, um, it's, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, I was just going to say it's interesting to note that his next few matchups, so at the Jets in Week 12, I, I'm not really too concerned about that matchup. Uh, home to Green Bay in Week 13, then on a bye in Week 14. This is where it gets tough, right where the fantasy playoffs begin. That's home to Philadelphia and Oof. then home to the Bills. So that's kind of the place where I would start straying away from fields uh, if nothing happened or if nothing really changes in terms of production in the meantime 
the fantasy playoffs is where I'm going to be trying to fade um, on Justin Fields, at least for the first couple rounds. But then theoretically, you would have him for the championship if you made it that far for Week 17 at the Lions. So definitely still mm-hmm. stash him. But yeah, Eagles and Bills would be very difficult uh, for him. Yeah. Uh, but someone who has benefited from this increase in passing touchdowns is Cole Komet, who's been on the receiving end of four of these uh, five passing touchdowns that Fields has thrown in his past two games. And this is after Komet has not had a receiving touchdown all of last season and the first seven mm-hmm. weeks of this season. So yeah. how do you value Komet? <laughs> <laughs> I value Komet as a tight end. Um, and yeah. That's kind of a cop-out answer. But uh, the thing is, like, it does seem like Justin Fields favors him. Um, his targets through the last two weeks, six and seven, that's not bad. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, we've talked about it all season long. We've talked about it in the off season. If you don't have Travis Kelsey, if you don't have uh, Mark Andrews, you're kind of throwing a dart um, and seeing what sticks with tight ends. So if you want to play Cole Komet, it's a fantastic matchup. Um, the Falcons are terrible against tight ends uh, this season. So I think you can roll them out with K- a relative level amount of confidence considering it's the tight end yeah i mean if he's seeing those red zone targets all of a sudden that is great and i feel like there's no reason to think that he would just lose all of them so if that's who justin fields is looking for in the end zone that is a good player to have and you can afford to take that risk because as you said he is a tight end after all um someone that i might argue you can't afford to take a risk on is chase claypool who decreased from 35 percent of snaps to 31 percent of snaps in his second game with the bears having only one reception in week 10 uh is he worth dropping i think he's droppable i don't know if you necessarily have to i think you yeah. you know if you're in a position where you can kind of hold on and see where this develops because you know they haven't had their bye week yet and it's it's something that will make integrating a new player on the team more challenging, I feel like, because, you know, like what we just saw from Kadarius Tony this past week yeah. was pretty impressive That's coming true. off of a recent buy and being more integrated. So just having that opportunity to kind of drop up some more plays for the new guy is always helpful in that regard. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you have to drop him, feel free, because he's not providing a whole lot of value right now. Um, you know, if there's a... Uh, would you rather have Paris Campbell than Chase Claypool? Uh, yes. Because Paris Campbell, Paris Campbell's been fantastic over the past. Month, I would say yes. Matt Ryan's playing, and we'll get yeah, we'll so, get to the Colts. But Matt Ryan playing definitely has made a difference for him. Right. So if there's a player with a lot more upside that's actually producing on your waivers, and you know waivers have already passed most likely, but uh, the point is that. Claypool is a stash kind of wait and see guy. He, you're not starting sure. him yet, so yeah. I mean, this whole season yeah. it's been like, can you even start Darnell Mooney? So if you can't start Darnell Mooney with a ton of confidence, then it's rostering Chase Claypool may not be a necessity. But I do think that he's not a bad stash because he could emerge later on um, in this season. But we already said yeah. the, the fantasy playoff schedule for them isn't great. But if he's more involved after their buy, that could be good. Um, yeah, it's just this is definitely an interesting offense to keep an eye on. Um, Khalil Herbert was placed on IR due to the hip injury he sustained in Week Ten. Uh, so I'll ask you: Does this increase your confidence in David Montgomery's usage? It does. I think we've seen from David Montgomery that when he has all of the you know or the the majority of the touches, that he is a a reliable fantasy running back. And so I think. You know, Khalil Herbert was kind of nipping at his heels, taking touches away, looking like the more explosive back. 
Um, with him gone, I think that this is a uh, slight upgrade for David Montgomery moving forward. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, he's very safely a low-end RB2, I would say, especially with this uh, potential sure. usage that he should be getting soon. And I believe, just to remind everyone, um, in 2020, David Montgomery was the RB4 in PPR scoring, and he scored over 20 points in his last six games. I believe no Khalil Herbert. I think this is currently Khalil Herbert's second season. So... We're talking about a player talking about a player who, when he has the usage, can be elite. Um, not that I expect that necessarily to happen, but I do think that this will be an upgrade for him. All right, let's get to the Falcons. Um, Cordero Patterson had six touches in his second game back from injury after having two rushing touchdowns on 14 touches in Week Nine. Uh, he scored 20 plus fantasy points twice in his first four games before getting injured. So, for that reason, do you think he's a buy low candidate? Ah, this is a tough question because I feel like, honestly, I just don't trust anyone on this Falcons offense. Yeah, Um, that's not unfair. Right, I mean, like, Drake London started the season awesome, and Kyle Pitts had moments more recently, um, although he's struggling again. And uh, I just, you know, I... This team desperately needs Calvin Ridley, and they traded him away. Yeah, that's true. um, yeah, Cordero Patterson to me, I think is it's he's probably almost more valuable on someone else's team than your own, uh, because that floor is just we've seen it. It's been brutal. Yeah, it, this offense really is not that great. Uh, Drake London caught his third receiving touchdown of the season on only five receptions, so I don't really. We're think a long is... ways away from ten. <laughs> yeah, but he he's back on track. I think the last time he scored a receiving touchdown is probably when you made that claim um, in like week three or whatever it was. And back-to-back games. No, that was a preseason. That was a preseason. Oh, was it? I thought that was, like, right after the start of the season. Well, Mm -mm. it's still... That was still closer to preseason when he got his last receiving touchdown than it was before (laughs) this game. Um, Anyways, back-to-back games of two receptions for Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Yeah. it's so fun. Um, Bad. Marcus Mariota is quietly the QB 12. Um, His wrestling yardage increases his fantasy floor, so... I feel like we never talk about him, but could he be a bye week fill-in candidate? Yeah, and again, he's he's another one that's kind of fringe uh, for this week. I I think that because of that low passing volume and not too many uh, passing touchdowns to go around typically, it does kind of limit his ceiling quite a bit. Uh, but you know, if you are if you're in a position where you need that help, with uh, maybe you missed out on Justin Fields. Marcus Mariota is probably worth considering in, I would say, a 12-team league or bigger. Just looking at his stats, he really is like, kind of like Justin Fields without the boom potential. <laughs> Just because he has that rushing yeah. floor, doesn't throw a lot of uh, pass completions, sometimes get a, gets a few passing touchdowns. Yeah, uh, he's just not getting the yeah, rushing touchdowns, I mean, which makes averaging the Averaging about four to five points just with his legs is helpful. Yes, that is true. Um, I'm going to pick the Bears, and I feel like that's kind of surprising, but I'm going for it. Yeah, I'm actually going to join <laughs> you on that one. Uh, I feel like they I have just... more of an identity. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I don't, I don't trust the Falcons, to be honest. Yeah. All right, moving on to Panthers at Ravens. Um, the Panthers, who beat the Falcons last week. You're already picking the Ravens. This is a huge spread. I'll agree. A 12.5 favorite for the Ravens. But with the Panthers, P.J. Walker played 100% of snaps and threw 108 passing yards. Um, I just had to add the snap percentage because sometimes it can be a question on who even played quarterback for them. <sighs> yeah, 
Isn't it actually? It's already been announced. Baker's playing. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Baker's getting the Baker's getting the start for this week. So awesome. Uh, throw that into your analysis. <sighs> That's awesome. Uh, Lavisca Chenault, my sleeper pick from last <laughs> Big season. Big Baker fan, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Lavisca <laughs> Chenault scored a 41 yard rushing touchdown. He is a wide receiver, if you don't mm-hmm. remember who that is. He played a season high 39% of snaps with the Panthers. Chenault has been relevant in the past, as kind of mentioned already, but I don't see this really going anywhere. And we know that these receivers aren't super consistent, period. But uh, especially with Baker Mayfield, I mean, it just seems like in general, though. They've had DJ Moore's had some flashes whenever PJ Walker is thrown for more than 108 passing yards, but <laughs> this whole offense really is either behind McCaffrey when he was there or Deontay Foreman, who had 31 carries in the, in Week 10 for over 100 rushing yards and a touchdown, playing 68% of snaps. And Chuba Hubbard was active, but only played in 18% of snaps, so I would probably mm-hmm. expect that to increase. He probably was limited just coming back from injury. Um. And since they kind of had a positive game script in this one, Chuba Hubbard, who is more of the receiving back, wasn't needed as much, and Deontay Foreman could just keep running, which allowed for success. Um, So, I mean, Foreman seems legit, and we say that every week, but he did score 4.1 fantasy points in Week 9 at Cincinnati. So does he need a positive game script to be trusted, which he might not have here against the Ravens? Well, yeah, most definitely. I think um, you're hitching your wagon to a... A, a bad team they're three and seven currently so yeah. to uh to really have a ton of confidence in their running back that that does typically require positive game script in order to be getting those rushing attempts because they use him like like derrick henry when he's there he's getting <laughs> 25 plus carries a game uh and just kind of pounding between the tackles so yeah with deontay foreman in this matchup uh, lower expectations and if he finds the end zone i think he saves your day yeah um, otherwise you're gonna you know you're gonna struggle i think uh from that perspective that's fair so we'll talk about the ravens who were on bye in week 10 in week 9 lamar jackson only had 12 completions but rushed for 82 yards and uh, someone who also rushed a lot was Kenyon drake who rushed for 93 yards and two rushing touchdowns on 24 carries. So it was obviously just a rushing day for the Ravens against the Saints, I believe it was, that they kind mm-hmm. of demolished in um, Week 9. Gus Edwards yeah. is expected to be back from his hamstring injury, so that probably makes it to where Kenyon Drake doesn't make your lineup um, if Gus Edwards is healthy. Do you think that's fair? It doesn't seem like you could trust him unless there's just nobody else around him. Yeah, I'll say, you know, with the the two games that Gus Edwards has been healthy for this season, he has played in under 40% of the snaps. 36 was his season high, and he found the end zone twice against Cleveland in Week 7. That allowed him to be an RB1 that week. Uh, without those touchdowns, his day looks a lot different. Uh, Kenyon Drake is still, in those games that they've played together, the majority snap uh, percentage holder. But... Um, I think it really just becomes a backfield by committee, and that lowers yeah. the upside for both players. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, so you wouldn't start either of them, most likely? If I could avoid it, yeah, um, honestly. And it's it's not a great week. There are you know several good running backs on by, so it's tough. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's just I have to make that... Uh, clear because it is interesting to see a stat line like that from Kenyon Drake and to say no you can't really confidently start him this week but that really is the reality for this offense 
and this yeah, backfield. Yeah, cha- the, the conditions change every week. They do. Uh, Mark Andrews is described as having a good chance to play in Week 11, uh, I recently saw. And, uh, yeah, I mean, which Ravens players are you confident in starting? Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews if he's healthy, um, and then maybe... I can't even remember the wide receiver. Devin Duvernay, I guess, right? I mean, what do you think? Uh, probably not Duvernay, but just I think Andrews that, and Jackson. Yeah, and I think if if Andrews misses, I think he can probably play Isaiah Likely. Yeah, that's likely. Uh, Isaiah yeah, Likely so. looks like he was gonna have an amazing game potentially in Week Nine. He got a touchdown very early on, but that ended up being mm-hmm. his only catch. But he does clearly get really involved in this offense when Mark Andrews is injured. So. I don't disagree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, if you lo- if you watch that game, Lamar Jackson would get the ball snapped and then basically scramble immediately. Yeah. So it was very low passing volume, and it was just kind of Lamar running the show. Yeah, and we're both picking Lamar's team to win this one in Week 11. All right, we'll move on to Browns at Bills. Um, I will agree, Bills. <laughs> Donovan Peoples-Jones on the Browns had a season-high 99 receiving yards, leading the team for the week. DPJ has had at least 70 receiving yards in five of his last six games. Um, that's I feel like that's kind of going under the radar. He's not really, like, booming. He's scoring like, low double digits. But yeah. he's finding consistency, and that can't really be said for Amari Cooper, who's only had 15 receptions across his previous four games, which at one point in time... Well, probably before those previous four games, we were saying he's exceeded all expectations for what his ADP was, but yeah. it's not looking like that anymore. So I'll say, would you start DPJ over Cooper? Or I guess, who do you value more is more of what the question's asking. No, I, 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 don't, I don't see it that way. I think Cooper is still the preferred wide receiver in this offense, um, just because you described the 15 receptions over his past four games. What you lacked or what you failed to mention was that those all resulted in double-digit scores as well. And so Cherry pick, I think <laughs> I think that that's a little misleading. I, um, he is producing touchdowns. That's something that Peoples-Jones, I think, has not done uh, nearly as much. Um, maybe not at all. Let me double-check that. Yeah, yeah, he has, he he has zero receiving one. touchdowns. Yeah, so. True. Yeah, Amari Cooper, I think, is still very valuable. Um, I am attempting to buy low on him in my ESPN league, kind of banking on the idea that with Deshaun Watson returning sooner rather than later, that uh, this whole offense kind of takes a bump in the positive direction. So, yeah, Amari Cooper is still my preferred guy, but DPJ has been very uh, viable as a flex over the past, uh, you know, month, month and a half. Yeah, and speaking of Deshaun Watson, he is eligible to make his return in Week 13 against his former Texans. Uh, rostered in 49% of leagues and sleeper. Might be the time to go ahead and add him. I did last night. Um, yeah, he's eligible to practice, so I guess... Yeah, and I've also seen a report that he's definitely going to start once he's eligible to yep. return is the current sentiment. Yep. Um, David Njoku could make his return from injury this week, so keep an eye on that. Um, like I said last week, potential league winner, <laughs> LOL. Uh, I mean, he. I feel like this. everyone in this offense, all the pass catchers get a significant upgrade with Watson coming back in two weeks. I mean, that's just yeah, undisputed. And, well, I, I think that's at least, that's the thought. I mean, he hasn't yes. played football in two, two years, but um, you got to think that he's still, he's still got it on the field. It is the fair um, assumption, yes. Yeah, and I would say with, it, with David Njoku, I think he becomes a lot more valuable 
um, following the injuries that we've seen from Zach Ertz and Dallas yeah, Goddard, David true. Njoku suddenly finds himself with a lot more breathing room around kind of the, the upper end of tight end production. So um, potentially a sell high if you're, if you're rostering another viable tight end in yeah. addition to him. I think that would be a good option. That's true. Uh, he has been consistent but I think that people might get a little too excited, like I might be doing, about the return of Deshaun Watson. But I still think he would be very reliable. But yeah, someone else could value him more than you do. So I think that's fair. Nick Chubb's rushing touchdown helped his fantasy day, as always. That's all there really is to say about the backfield. <laughs> um, so if the Bills, Devin Singletary's three best fantasy performances this season have been in close games or games where the Bills lost. He played 72% of snaps in Week 10, which probably makes him the only Bills running back to roster. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, would you agree with that? You're probably dropping James Cook already and probably dropping Naeem Hines at this point. Yes, it doesn't seem like Naeem Hines is going to really make much. I mean, here's the thing. Since he's been there, which I believe was Week 9, right? Would that be correct? I think that's correct, yeah. He's played 6% of the snaps and 8% of the snaps in the two games that he's been active for with Buffalo. So that's yeah. that uh, <laughs> that's not really good usage at all. Um, yeah, I think that that, uh, that he is droppable. I think James Cook is droppable. I mean, these are, these are insurance backs at the end of the day with, yeah. uh, with Devin Singletary. And, and Singletary, like you mentioned, has not had many highs of the season because usually Buffalo is just throwing all over the field. So, yeah, um, yeah I think, you know, we're, we were kind of low on Devin Singletary coming out of the first month of the season. And uh, I don't really see that making a big shift towards the later half here. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Gabe Davis caught a touchdown, so he had a good fantasy week. That's how it goes <laughs> with him. And I uh, almost had to do a double take, but Josh Allen has thrown three passing touchdowns across his past three games. That's not uh, his standards at all. But this has limited the upside of some of the Bills wide receivers. Obviously, Diggs is elite. He's not getting hurt by this. But Gabe Davis needs a touchdown, honestly, to have a good day. And, you know, I see talks about Isaiah McKenzie being a potential waiver uh, acquisition candidate. But honestly, like, I don't really think that's that great of a move, especially if Josh Allen kind of struggling with touchdowns. And I feel like everyone besides Diggs is a little bit touchdown reliant um at least to have a really no, good week you're absolutely right on that i think you know going down the list gabe davis is the big play boom bust guy uh, isaiah mckenzie can occasionally boom for a touchdown but more often than not not even close yeah. and uh the tight end austin knox he's currently tight end 23 he's not even yeah, in consideration he's been kind of starting. disappointing i expected a better season out yeah. of him he had a good season last year uh, yeah. statistically um, all that negativity, though, aside, we are both picking the Bills to win in this one. Um, so I guess bounce back. Uh, I know that was a wild game against the Vikings last week. But yeah, it was. it was another loss for the Bills, um, mm-hmm. who we've already mentioned is currently in third in their division. But, I, th- I mean, they're still making the playoffs, so we can move on. Anyways, yeah. Commanders at Texans. Um, the Commanders ended the Eagles' perfect season. Very against all odds. We neither of us predicted that. That was really surprising. No. Terry McLaurin had eight receptions, while Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas had two receptions each. Jahan Dotson had one reception in his return from injury. 
So I'll ask, is McLaurin the only pass catchers, only pass catcher on the commanders that you can start with confidence? Yeah, I would say so. Um, this is something that we talked about, you know, when, when Taylor Heineke became the starter uh, through injury, uh, that Terry McLaurin and him had a prior connection, that yeah. they were probably going to pick up where they left off last season. It has appeared that that, is, that has come true. Um, and then, you know, with Curtis Samuel, he is uh, – He's a little bit more boom bust, and I don't even know where Logan Thomas ranks among tight ends, but he can't be good because he's missed quite a bit of time. Right, exactly. Um, Jahan Dotson's the one that we really didn't know what to expect, and I think hopefully if if he was on your roster and you saw that he was playing, you kept him on your bench to see what he did because he didn't do much. And I think that that's probably going to remain the case um, at least for a few more weeks. Yeah, I mean, Curtis Samuel really had a great start to the season, and now he's had seven receptions across his previous three games. One of them was a receiving touchdown, but you're not dropping him, but I think he's on your bench until anything changes. I mean, maybe against Mm -hmm. the Texans that could be a good play, but they might just run all over them. So it might just be McLaurin getting his and then the backfield potentially getting theirs. And I'll talk about them real quick. Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson both had a rushing touchdown in Week 10. Gibson had 14 carries and three receptions, while Robinson had 26 carries and zero receptions. So against the Texans, can you start both of these running backs? Yeah, you definitely can. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty much how it goes. I think Brian Robinson is definitely the, uh, the between the tackles, just kind of give it to him and he'll pound it. And uh, Antonio Gibson is kind of more of the Swiss Army knife in this backfield, which has been... Very unexpected, considering uh, how his history has been on the team. But, um, yeah, both are definitely starting options. Uh, I would say flex options at the very least against the Texans. Yeah, agreed. Um, So with the Texans, Davis Mills threw for over 300 passing yards for the second time this season. Um, This allowed Nico Collins to have a good day. He saw five catches for 49 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets, while Brandon Cooks saw four catches for 37 yards on seven targets. So I'll ask... And this, you know, there's a lot outside of statistics and outside of the games that go along with this question. I mean, Brandon Cooks sat out in week nine due to him wanting to get traded, and then he wasn't. And I think he was stripped, uh, his, his captain status was stripped from him, I believe, before this game in week 10. So a lot of other stuff that kind of amounts to this question and where I'm leading you with it. But does Nico Collins have a higher rest of season value than Brandon Cooks? Um, I'm not sure. I think that's kind of a tough question. Like, Brandon Cooks did have a touchdown called back due to offensive holding in this game. Um, you know, if you if you have those stats on his lot and his game log, that kind of changes the way that you view him. I think moving forward a little bit. Um, but I don't. To be honest, I really don't want either. Uh, I don't want any Texans pass catchers. I just want. Uh, Damian Pierce. Yeah, Damian Pierce and nobody else, and I don't think that's unfair. Uh, I saw that you added this, and I did see this too. You know, Benjamin, claimed by Houston after being waived by Arizona. That is interesting. You don't really expect that to harm Damian Pierce's value, do you? Well, certainly not initially, no. Um, Just like any other team or any other player that gets acquired by a team, you know, late in the season, it takes a moment for them to become acclimated on the team yeah. and for you know benjamin i you know if you already rostered him you could attempt to trade him to the houston man or the the damian pierce manager in yeah. your league uh but 
outside of that, he's an insurance policy and, yeah, and, well, a, and a low well, value one currently. What was so weird about him getting waived is that, like you said, he has handcuff value. He was the starting running back for the Cardinals when James Conner was injured and had some good performances. Uh, kind of trailed off by the end of that time that he was having that role. But I heard that he like vocalized not liking losing his role of Connor coming back or something along those lines. And yeah, that's what got yeah, that's him waved. the story. That's the story. Yep. That's just kind well, of strange. I, and I think, I think another part of it is that they, they liked what they saw in Keontae Ingram, the other running back that was, you know, finding his way in the end zone in goal line situations while, you know, Benjamin got the, you know, the lead role. So, <coughs> um, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it does matter when there's locker room instability and I think, you know, I think it's a little bold for, you know, to be speaking up like that when the player that's coming back is James Conner. I think, you know, yeah. know your role. Yeah, I think it is interesting. Brandon Cook's wanting to get traded because he doesn't like, I guess, his role in the offense. Um, they're like, no, we won't do that, but we'll add someone who's been complaining about their role in a different offense. That will help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, for all of that, I'm picking the Commanders. They just beat the Eagles, and now they're facing a Texans team that um, struggling to find an identity. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? I, I think Houston's finding their stride. And, oh, uh, are they? I'll be honest with you. If you watched that Eagles game, the Commanders got away with quite a bit of, uh, we'll call it uh, tomfoolery. Because, I did hear about that, yeah. Yeah, there were several turnovers that were questionable. So... I, you know, Philadelphia's a great team. I think this is one of those games where the home team guts it out. And Washington just, uh, they're they are liable to lose ones like these. So I'm picking yeah. the Texans. That's not unfair. Uh, we'll move on to Eagles at Colts. Um, I will agree. I think the Eagles will bounce back, although the Colts did look like a much better team last week, apparently. But, yeah, but they're uh, playing the Raiders. Yeah, that's that's who they were playing, yeah. So we'll talk about the Eagles. Miles Sanders rushed for 54 yards on 12 carries of zero receptions. Sanders has four games without a rushing touchdown this season, which is uh, he's scoring way more rushing touchdowns this season than last. He scored zero last season. But three <laughs> yeah. of those four games without a rushing touchdown have resulted in single-digit fantasy scores. So... He can be touchdown reliant, which made his value last season very bad because he wasn't getting any, but that is mm-hmm. the reality for him. Um, but I think you still have to start him uh, personally. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think you probably had him on your roster as your RB2. And so, you know, you probably don't have a better option to, yeah. to, to rely on moving forward. But also, Philadelphia has been performing really well yeah as of late and that's not news i mean they they were seven and oh going into last week so yeah, this team's pretty good uh, i don't know if you've heard of them or eight and oh going to last week yeah i'm just gonna say it they're pretty good <laughs> no uh my point is that they're gonna find themselves in scoring position more often than not it gives miles sanders that upside that he's looking for um and he is still getting relatively good usage as a running back i, I think that you know yeah he, he's still a starter yes yeah. Oh, Devontae Smith. I was happy to see him do well. I needed like six, a little over six points to win my uh, my fantasy matchup this previous week. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Devontae Smith could definitely blow that out of the water or not hit it. So yeah, glad I to mean, see that AJ he did. Brown, 
AJ Brown did his best Devontae Smith impression. He did. Game. He had one reception for seven yards, AJ Brown did. So I, I, you're starting both of these players, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But Jalen Hurts' yes. limited pass completions can make it difficult for both of these wide receivers to boom in the same week. And that really is the reality of it. And most of the time, it's at the expense of Smith and not Brown. But we this is not the first time. What was it, week two or week three against the Commanders? The first time, I think it was, when Devontae Smith won. Uh, NFC Offensive Player of the Week, and it had like 30-plus fantasy points. I don't think A.J. Brown had that great of a day. It wasn't this bad, but it, it they usually don't both boom. Um, yeah, no, you're you're right. It was week three. He was the wide receiver one. Devontae Smith was, and A.J. Brown's stat line was uh, not bad. Wide receiver 13, he okay, got 19.5 points. But there are yeah, instances I mean, where but that was a Yeah, that was an Brown. exceptional game. Yeah, uh, they couldn't replicate it for both of them against the Commanders this time, though. But, mm-hmm. you know, you, you'd assume that Brown, not assume, Brown is the better wide receiver to have. Uh, oh, yeah, to for read. sure. But you never really know which one of them is going to boom, and therefore you have to start both. And I think you safely can, but you do get weeks like this, which can be annoying. Um, but maybe they could both find more consistency because Dallas Goddard has been placed on IR. I know it doesn't always mean that other pass catchers will do better if a tight end or uh, a wide receiver and then a tight end does better if that makes sense i tight end leaving the scene uh doesn't always amount to great production for the other players like we saw gerald everett not really pick up the slack of mike williams and keenan allen it was more Mm -hmm. joshua palmer but dallas goddard is very involved in this offense much more than gerald everett i would say so this could yeah. be good news for Smith and Brown just because it makes it to where uh, Jalen Hurts probably is the target share for Smith and Brown is way higher than every, any other pass catcher on the team. So, yeah, I don't expect the replacement I mean, for yeah, Dallas Goddard to really step up. But. That's probably fair. I think that, you know, you're not really expecting Quez Watkins or Zach Pascal yeah. to, to take that bump uh, from Goddard's departure. But, yeah, I, I mean... Like we said at the beginning, we're still starting A.J. Brown. We're still starting Devontae Smith. It just is what it is. Yeah. All right. With the Colts, the return of Matt Ryan and uh, Jeff Saturday's first game, it was in week 10. Uh, It's so funny because he was an ESPN analyst and we talked about him last week. But just seeing how uh, I saw on on his Twitter account, I think October 30th, he said something like the Raiders suck or something. It was just completely unrelated so it's just funny for him to just like a few weeks later take over a team and just beat that team it's just really weird how he's it's just really weird but he started matt ryan um and matt ryan was the qb5 in week 10 with a a very efficient stat line and as we talked about earlier in this episode paris campbell also returned to relevance catching ryan's only passing touchdown so yeah, I think you have to feel good about him, assuming that Matt Ryan is just going to start the rest of the season, which it seems like, why wouldn't he? Yeah, here's my concern. is It's it's still Philadelphia's secondary, which is among the best in the NFL. That's true. Um, I, I would lower expectations. I think this is a game where Philadelphia does bounce back and get things right. Um, the Colts winning that game last week was a nice story. Uh, but I don't necessarily think it's indicative of them making a turnaround for the rest of their season. Um, so, yeah, lower expectations for Paris Campbell. Lower expectations probably for Michael Pittman. I know that that no. hurts you. Oh. Yeah, but um, 
But okay, I'll, I'll I, talk I still, about. Pittman. I still have more faith in Philadelphia's defense. That's I think I, that's, that's fair. But Pittman had seven catches on nine targets. That's that's great usage. Um, so I feel like you're still starting him. Uh, that's never been a question. Well, yeah, I'm not saying bench season. him. Yeah, but not you could. Bench him, but lower are you saying bench Campbell? Because that might be a more fair no. discussion. Okay. No. Okay. But lower expectations. Fair. That is fair. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. Maybe increase your expectations. Maybe not for this week, but for rest of the season for him. Jonathan <laughs> Taylor was the RB1 in week 10. It's like, oh, here I am. This is why I was drafted 101 in a lot of fantasy drafts this season. Yeah, see, to me, and this might be a this might be a mistake when we look towards the end of the season, but this might be a sell-high opportunity for Jonathan Taylor. You think what so? What are your thoughts on that? I, I think that it is... That's not bad thinking because you're only pulling from one game with this new coaching staff but to see him have 22 carries for 147 yards and a rushing touchdown 6.68 yards per carry it's just like this is this looks like the player you drafted but again it's the raiders defense that's what that's what makes it so difficult to really like uh, is he gonna have a game like he had last week against philadelphia more likely than not no and that's gonna lower his trade value so yeah, and and this was a let's, game let's, with no Deion Jackson. I think he was inactive, and of course, Naeem Hines wasn't there yeah. either, so there really wasn't anyone behind him. Yeah, let's take a look at his rest-of-season schedule. Philadelphia, then home to Pittsburgh, then at Dallas, then a bye, at Minnesota, home to the Chargers, which is a good matchup, and then at the Giants in Week 17. It's honestly not that great of a rest-of-season schedule. It's I, not amazing. No, I'm just saying that you might want to get ahead of this before Philadelphia puts a hurting on these Colts. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't think there's really any chance that he has a better week against the Eagles than he did against the Raiders last week. So maybe, yes, take advantage of this opportunity, potentially. But we're both thinking the Eagles to win this one. And we'll move on to Jets at Patriots divisional matchup. Um, the Jets were on by in Week 10, and so were the Patriots. Um, mm-hmm. The Jets had an upset win against the Bills in Week 9, uh, so that was surprising. And with this backfield, because James Robinson joining the team in Week 8, I believe, it, it's still been kind of difficult to see what's going to happen for the rest of the season with this backfield. It's still a fairly even split between Michael Carter and James Robinson. Carter played in 52% of snaps, seeing 13 touches, whereas Robinson played in 40% of snaps, seeing 15 touches. Um, I feel like... The narrative is probably that Robinson will continue to take over. So do you think, do you expect that to happen in this backfield, or do you think it's going to remain kind of more of a 50-50 split, which it kind of almost is at the moment? No, I think it is more realistic to expect James Robinson to finish the season as the lead running back. Um, I think just generally he has a more versatile skill set than Michael Carter. He seems to have more of that more of that dog in him. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but I think that, honestly, I wouldn't want to start either of these running backs against New England's run defense. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I feel about that. I think that's fair. Um, the passing offense for the Jets, Garrett Wilson caught eight of Zach Wilson's 18 completions. Um, so uh, he likes them. They share a last name. Obviously, they got some chemistry. So mm-hmm. can you confidently start Garrett Wilson? Because his stats compared to every other pass catcher on the team were so much better. So do you think that just how they want to use him gives him at least a good enough floor to make him startable? Yeah, I think he's a reasonable flex. Um, He did have a good performance against New England back in Week 8. 
yes. caught six of seven for 115 yards. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but just in general, I you know I don't really like Zach Wilson as a passer, and so <laughs> that makes me nervous about starting Wilson. I would say I'm not super confident, but that I would be willing to flex him. I do think it's interesting though having that many of uh, Zach Wilson's completions go to him against the Bills when theoretically he had the best defender on him you would think and they're not throwing the ball a whole lot i don't know it's just surprising that he did that against that defense when it seemed like such a one-dimensional passing offense that game um mm-hmm. so i think that might be a sentiment to him and what they make happen for him so i th- think that you can have some confidence in garrett wilson the wilson chemistry lives on all right patriots uh Ramondre stevenson as i said they were on buying week 10 so this is week nine that i'm pulling from Ramondre stevenson uh, has has had 42 carries across his previous three games while also seeing 22 targets in that period of time. That's why he's kind of a PPR beast. Uh, Damian Harris was inactive due to an illness in Week 9, but it seems like Ramondre Stevenson um, is automatically in your lineup no matter what, even if Harris is active. Um, yeah, and I'm happy about that. Jacoby Myers had his first single-digit fancy day in Week 9, which I was surprised. I didn't realize that he had that streak going on, a double-digit scoring every single week. Yeah. Um, but he did have a single-digit fancy day in Week 9, but he still is clearly the lead wide receiver in this offense. Mac Jones only threw for 147 yards in Week 9. You're starting Stevenson. You're starting Myers. Is that it? You're starting Harris? Maybe. Probably not. No, I don't think so. Yeah. No, I, I, I want to see it from Damian Harris before I put him in back in my lineup if I roster <coughs> him. Um, he His production's kind of fallen off of a cliff since Stevenson has proved his way into the lead role. So, um, yeah, it's Stevenson and it's Myers, and that's pretty much it. Yep, I think I'm going to agree with you and go for the Patriots at home. Continue to make the standing of this division even more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. And then once, uh, once New England beat or moves on to Buffalo, we will have the knowledge that because uh, because the Jets beat the Bills and the Patriots beat the Jets both times they played, the Patriots are going to sweep the Bills. That's how it's going to go. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. All right, let's talk next about Rams at the Saints. Uh, Cooper Cup has been placed on IR after suffering a high ankle sprain in Week 10. This is devastating news as he was, you know, one of the lone first-round draft picks of this past or of this current uh, fantasy season that really paid off if you invested in him. Uh, yeah. The Rams are currently three and six, so the likelihood that Cup is reactivated prior to season's end seems unlikely. Um, and I'm kind of of this mindset. If you have seven or more wins this far into the fantasy season, you can hold them on your roster if you feel optimistic about him returning. Uh, but I don't think it's unreasonable to drop him either if you need the roster space. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's uh, it's a difficult decision. Absolutely. Uh, for sure. I would probably want to hear more news about that, but if, you, if you're needing wins to even make the playoffs and you need that spot, I would just like to think that you have someone else, well, if you're in that position on your bench, that you could drop ahead of Cooper Cup. Well, I understand that from that perspective, but you have to understand that him being on IR is, in some sense, some certainty because it means he's required to miss the next four games, and that is that's a month's worth of fantasy football. That but is then you could, literally, 
literally you could have it's the for remainder the entire of the fantasy playoffs season. though you could have it for the entire fantasy playoffs though you could that's why i'm saying there's a condition to to keeping him on your roster if you need the wins now it's not going to do you any good because <coughs> you're not even going to be in the playoffs so yeah it's and again a, uh, it's, 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 it's relative out. it's relative to the depth of your team but i just feel like if you're in yeah. a position where you need to win you probably have one player that hasn't panned out that you can drop before you feel like you need to drop cooper cup but yeah, I, I get so. the discussion. I get the discussion that we're having and why it's happening because I, mm-hmm. that probably could be a situation for someone. Yeah, it's complicated, but um, that's kind of where that's where I stand on it. Uh, moving on with Tyler Higby, he caught all eight of his targets for seventy-three yards, just one week removed from not catching his only target in Week Nine. And this was without Matthew Stafford, correct? That is correct. Yep. Yeah, I, that's why I'm kind of skeptical Wolford about got it. The start. Well, I, I think. I don't think that Stafford really has... I mean, what's your argument there? That, that Stafford is worse than Wolford? I just don't know what Higby did to Stafford to make him fall out of this offense in the previous few weeks. So, But no, with Cup being gone, you have to assume, and I see that's your next question, um, who stands to benefit the most from Cup's absence on this roster. Yeah, I, I think you have to say... Psh- I've been so low and disappointed on Allen Robinson all season, having him on my fantasy team, that I haven't even really thought about, it hasn't really even clicked in my mind that he's theoretically the wide receiver one without Cup in this offense. But that just shows you how little I think about him because I <laughs> he's disappointed me so much. Well, he but, hasn't yeah, he hasn't performed on the field all year long, so it's like not exactly have, unreasonable. I feel like you'd have to think that him and Hickby will both step up, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I mean, there's a there's a very realistic chance that the Rams lose their next four games and they're three and ten, and Cooper Cup gets shut down for the year. Like that's entirely yeah. within the realm of possibility. Defending um, Super Bowl champs, we're talking about right now. Yeah, let's go. No, but I think um, honestly, Higby is the the number one guy that I would prefer to have on this team. I I just think that you know without Cooper Cup. It's probably not going to be Allen Robinson. Honestly, we we would have seen it by now, and we haven't, and uh, and that just gives me an indication that based on how Higby has performed at times during this year, that he's going to be able to pick up the slack a little bit. You know, you never truly replace a player like Cooper Cup, no. um, but we're talking about picking up the pieces here, and uh, I think Higby's the best candidate for that. Yeah, I wish it was Allen Robinson, but I don't disagree. Wow. Our shots fired. Okay, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the Saints next. Uh, Andy Dalton completed 17 of 27 attempts for 174 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. That was the whole game, not a half, not three quarters. Just that was it. Um, <laughs> is this the week we see Jameis Winston return as the starter? I- I'm thinking yes. I sure hope so. Why not? Yeah, why not? Right. Um, so. That will kind of, you know, once that news comes out, that'll be something to consider for the pass catchers. But really, it's just Chris Olave um, who you would be starting. He did struggle in this one, catching three of five targets for 40 yards. That was his worst performance as a rookie. But better days are certainly ahead for the rising star. Uh, Doubling back on the running back situation, Alvin Kamara managed just 11 touches on 79% of the snaps. Uh, This is like, this seems like poor coaching. If nothing else, um, his inconsistent usage has really hindered his production. Um, despite this, he's still a must-start. And uh, Jarvis Landry, 
Keep him on your waivers. He has, uh, in the four of his five games played this season, they have all resulted, four of the five, sorry, have resulted in fewer than seven fantasy points. It's Kamara, it's Olave. That's it. This this division really stinks. This, uh, I just I just realized we have to pick this game. Who yeah. are we picking? I think the Saints. I, I I think that the Rams without Cooper Cup. Yeah. I mean, he's probably the reason they've won. What did you say? Three games. That's all they they've won. I, I, <laughs> yes. But that's probably yeah. all attributed to Cooper Cup. Yeah. No, I don't think you're wrong, and and yeah, with the Saints, and maybe Aaron Donald has a word to say, has a word with you, but um, <laughs> yeah, the Saints. Uh, maybe Jameis Winston gives that team a spark. They need it. Yeah, uh, they. I I don't understand why there has to be something behind the scenes. He must have stolen crab legs again. I don't know why would you not go with the younger quarterback? That's. Uh, why are you going if the old dude that's no longer performing well? How about that? That's what I'm trying to say. It Shots just fired. doesn't make any okay. sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm going after some of these people, apparently. All right. Let's, let's move on. Next one is Lions at the, at the Giants. Uh, Jamal Williams continues to find the end zone, rushing 16 times for 59 yards. Uh, and DeAndre Swift continues to be eased back into this offense very gingerly. Uh, only playing 31% of the snaps, he had just seven touches, but his fantasy total was heavily weighted by a rushing touchdown in this past game. Uh, Carson, let me ask you, I, I don't think you can justify starting Swift given how Detroit is utilizing him. Would you agree? I guess you have to wait and see. This is really annoying. Like You would wish that he would just be <laughs> inactive, kind of like what they were doing of C-class season. Just be inactive so you know you can't start him, of course and then he'll be back to hopefully full capacity the next week. But that's not what they're doing, and it would be very annoying to roster him. Um, I do, and yeah, I have a really bad record, and maybe that's why. <laughs> might be. Um, so I think I know the answer to this based on how you just answered that last question, but is Swift a buy-low candidate for you, or do you think that Jamal Williams has too large of a role in this offense to really like give a lot of value for Swift? Well... I feel like it would be difficult to find someone who's wanting to just give Swift away. Um, but Well, I mean, we're not talking about just like a yard sale, 50 cents. But we're, No, I know. get it. But you, you wouldn't want him to be forced to be one of your starting running backs. And I don't know if you're going to be able to... I don't know if someone's going to be willing to trade him away without getting one of your starting running backs in return. Uh, so, yeah, I think that his trade value would be difficult. I think it'd be great if you could have him on mm-hmm. your bench and that he could prove himself to you, and then you start starting him again, because we know that he has uh, clear RB1 value if he's fully integrated into an offense. But um, with his current usage, you kind of have to wait for him to prove it to you again. And that's why I feel like all of that going into it, it, I feel like it'd be hard to trade for him um, because of that value being so weird. Yeah, so so here's kind of an on-the-fly trade proposal and obviously different pieces would be involved but in terms of would you rather have x or y for the rest of the season it's deandre swift or james connor oh gosh i guess if you're if you're needing to win now probably james connor okay which is no, I think weird to fair. say but yeah but you that's can't... that's something that we're going to talk about later that james connor finally had an rb1 performance 
and maybe now's the time to to get out if you can so yeah. uh that's my thought process there but um let's move on to a pass catcher that we've been kind of missing but now he's kind of come back yeah. on ross st brown returned to early season form catching 10 of 11 targets for 119 yards his first fantasy performance greater than 14 points since week two you're happy to have him back uh moving on to the giants Saquon Barkley rushed a career high 35 times against Houston last week. <laughs> you can't expect that kind of volume to sustain, but it does imply he's the only player worth starting on this offense. Would you agree? Yeah. When I saw the rushing attempt total, I uh, I had to do a double take. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I just don't run him into the ground, please. But obviously he's removed enough from his ACL injury and he's back to elite Saquon and I'm very happy I got him in the second round because he is elite Saquon again. Yeah, that's good there. Um, all right, let's pick this game. You're going Giants. I'm yeah. going to pick the Hardy Lions. I just, even though the Lions did win last week, I feel like they've lost a lot of uh, life that they kind of had at the beginning of the season, riding off the Hard Knocks fame, maybe. Um, I just feel what like you mean against a lot of this... life. They had no win. They had barely any wins at the beginning. I know, of the but year. they had they had high scoring games. There was excitement around them, but then their their defense is just awful. So, yeah, I just feel like Saquon is gonna have a great game, and I feel like that's gonna be enough to get the Giants a win, personally. Okay. So yeah, well, that's it. All right, I'm picking the upset. Fair All right, enough. let's talk about let's talk about your favorites, the oh, Vegas Raiders up against the Denver Donkeys. So, with uh, with Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, they remain lineup locks. Mac Hollins underwhelmed in a week without Hunter Renfro. You hate to see that. Only catching two of six passes for 18 yards. Um, he's a boom-bust flex moving forward. I think that's pretty much how you have to look at it. Um, Foster Moreau had his first double-digit fantasy performance of the season in Week 10, uh, with arguably no fantasy-relevant tight ends on a bye this week. You likely have better options available, but I can kind of understand if you, if that's your only option, rolling with him this week. Would you agree? I mean, Darren Waller hasn't really found consistency. So last season, whenever Darren Waller was a little bit more consistent, he was kind of injury-ridden throughout the season. But Foster Moreau was a better play. Now that this offense really is just Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, I don't expect the backup for someone who's been kind of inconsistent this season to just be a lineup lock. So I agree. Yeah. Um, and then with the Broncos, you've got Jerry Judy, who suffered a mild ankle injury on the first play of the game, did not return. Monitor his status. He is a borderline flex if healthy, um, especially with four teams on by. Anything to add to that? I don't want to talk about this offense. I'll give my fun stat at the end whenever you finish talking about all these players. Okay, um, great. Yeah. Uh, Cortland Sutton managed six receptions on 11 targets for 66 yards in a game where Russell Wilson completed exactly 50% of his throws. Um, so he was slightly more efficient when target, targeting Sutton. Take that for what it's worth. Um, did this performance without Judy give you hope or concern for Sutton in Week 11? I guess probably hope. I mean, you can't look at 11 targets and be too sad. You know how I feel about targets. Um, yeah. But... Uh... If Judy's not playing, yeah, Sutton is a lineup lock. But if he is playing, uh, I mean, I, I did the analysis last week, I think it was, on like how the tides have really kind of turned on which pass catcher, if you had to start one, you'd want to start on this offense. But the reality of it is that this offense is just really bad. So um, 
it can kind of be which wide receiver will it be this week. It's hard to say, and that's really all you can really say about it. Uh, I don't know. How do you feel? How do you feel? I, I don't I don't disagree. I think this is a situation where I don't want to find myself managing either, if possible. No. Uh, but if you have to start one, I, it makes it easy if one of them is inactive. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, with Greg Dulcich, on the other hand, he kind of plummeted back to earth after three consecutive double-digit performances. We kind of th- thought we found a diamond in the rough here with him uh, prior to their week nine bye. Uh, he finished his tight end at 38 last week. Are you giving him another chance, or are you looking for his replacement? I'm probably looking for his replacement. I mean, a tight wow. end. Wow, one, one? One flop and he's out? That's a I mean, bold, okay, I feel. let's see. He had 12, 11, 12. It's not like he was booming. And one of those games with 12 was he had a touchdown on two catches. I mean... <laughs> I'm not saying he's setting the world on fire, but I think that it's hard to stray away from a double-digit performer at tight end. It is, but I think it's easy to stray away from this offense. And here, let me show my fun, my fun stat. Um, the okay. Broncos have allowed the fewest points all season, NFL points, and have scored the fewest NFL points all season. So okay. uh, this team would literally win the Super Bowl if they were as good as we thought they would be with Russell Wilson, because their defense is <laughs> definitely doing their part. Okay. You picking them? Oh, gosh. Oh my gosh, this is an awful game. The Raiders defense the Raiders, sucks. The Raiders got yeah, but the Raiders got the best of them because they have actually a competent offense. Last they time they played, the Raiders offense. the Raiders pulled it out. They did. Put put that in perspective. One of Vegas's two wins on the season was Denver. That is true. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I want to go know. with Denver. <laughs> okay, you're just all right. <laughs> All you right. should be happy about that. Yeah, well, we've seen how picking differently has gone for me lately. It's not yeah. good. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Cowboys at the Vikings next. A little NFC bout here. Um, C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schulter lineup locks, both finishing top three at their respective position last week. Dak Prescott has finished as a QB1 in both of his last two starts. You'd like to see that. Will Dak be a QB1 again this week? Yeah, I, why not? I feel like they're they're facing a great offense in the Minnesota Vikings, so I expect Dak to be busy, and for that reason, I think that, that he does have a pretty safe floor in being a top-10 quarterback this week. All right, cool. Um, I don't disagree. Tony Pollard put in another RB1 performance, filling in for Ezekiel Elliott. 21.8 fantasy points for Pollard. 22 rushes, 115 yards, a touchdown, caught three of his six targets for 13 yards. Uh, Pollard's value is directly tied to Zeke's status. It's unfortunate that they're kind of, uh, they need to free this man. And uh, I I don't mean release him, but I do mean utilize (laughs) him. Uh, So if Zeke plays, does Pollard warrant flex consideration? It's crazy that this is a question, but it is a very valid one. Um. I think that you keep an eye on Ezekiel Elliott. If he's like a full participant all week in practice, I feel like maybe you don't need to start Pollard, but if he's still kind of going into the weekend questionable, 
and there's any hope that they would rely on Pollard more than they usually would when Zeke is healthy, I think you can feel good about starting him at flex. But it's very difficult because this offense clearly wants Zeke to be the lead running back when he's healthy, um, even if Pollard is the much more explosive one. I feel like you just you have to hope that he can get some receptions or something like that to have a high enough floor. How do you, I, I want to turn that question back on you. What's your perspective on it? Yeah, I think if he if Zeke does play, I think Pollard is a borderline flex. Um, it's hard to because he's touchdown dependent at that point. Yeah, and with the way that Dallas utilizes Zeke at the goal line, it makes it really challenging for Pollard to find his way into the end zone. That's um, true. It's just it's a bad situation. If 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 Zeke sits again, then Pollard's an instant start. Yes. Um, but. It's just a uh, it's a tough situation there for fantasy. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about the Vikings, kind of the, the team, the, the men of the hour, we'll say. Yeah. The Vikings taking down the Bills last week. Uh, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, and TJ Hawkinson are all lineup locks uh, with four teams on by. Is Kirk Cousins worth starting in a tough matchup? Um, let me check out how he's done this season. Um, I see all those videos of him. <laughs> in the plane being real hype after their win. So let's see if that's translated onto the field. I mean, he's the QB 11. So I think he seems to have a high floor like he tends to. And you know what? This isn't a primetime matchup. So yes, that's my answer. Okay. Uh, Adam Thielen <laughs> remains a flex consideration. He's due some positive touchdown regression at some point this season. Last round the end zone in week six. Um, has only had two scores on the season. Uh, but seven-plus targets in every game since week two, that's great usage. And uh, that's kind of how I feel about that. And then with K.J. Osborne, he saw 11 targets in week 10, only wow. caught four of those for 35 yards. Uh, five or fewer targets in all but two games this season. Osborne remains a stash at best. Don't get cute. Yeah, I think that's fair. 11 targets, that is very surprising. We haven't talked about K.J. Osborne in a long time, though, and I feel like that's <coughs> evidence for him being a stash at best. Um, yeah. I'm surprised that the Vikings are the underdogs at home. Like, what? I am, too. I am, too. I, I'm, I'm going to pick with you. I, I don't I don't really see how the Vikings go from beating the Bills uh, at, at Buffalo yeah. to then losing at home to the Cowboys. It just doesn't really add up. And, Who and lost the Cowboys, against by the, the way, Packers last week, right? <laughs> Exactly. That was going to be my next point. So, yeah. Um, questionable, to say At the home? least, on that one. Question mark? Where were uh, they? Green Bay was home. Green Bay was okay. home. Okay. Okay. Well, that it makes it a little bit better for the Cowboys, but still. Yeah. Um, how uh, about no, that that's... Justin Jefferson catch? That's all I'll say. Yeah. I, I'll say this. I, I It was extremely impressive. I don't think he actually catches it if the defender isn't there, if that makes sense. I am um, kind of not knocking support a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not knocking the catch. It was a fantastic play. It was really exciting to watch. Um, yeah. No disrespect. Yeah, gritty guy. I'm glad. You know, it's due to injury, but I was championing championing for uh, Justin Jefferson over Cooper Cup, and that's paying off now, but unfortunately that's due to injury. Whoa, that's dirtbag status, buddy. I'm saying unfortunately. Yeah, okay. It's unfortunate. Well, anyway. Uh-huh. All right, so let's talk about the Bengals up against the Steelers now. This is the uh, the season opening matchup that we saw back in week one when the home team and the away team were reversed, obviously. Uh, Bengals, I believe, ended up gutting that one out in overtime. 
Um, let me double check that. It's it, no, they lost. They lost by a field goal. Okay. Oh yeah, but so, I think it. Yes, I do remember the game. It's it's weird that it was close. It was weird that it was close for sure. Yeah, well, it was a long time ago. Yeah, I think things have changed, including the absence of Jamar Chase. I believe he's likely not going to return for this one. Monitor his status, um, but otherwise, it's the usual suspects: Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, and T. Higgins are all lineup locks. And I also think that honestly, Hayden Hurst has starting upside um, at tight end as well. Yeah. Moving on to the Steelers, I would argue there are no lineup locks on this roster. A lot of flex-worthy <laughs> options, however. Yeah. Uh, Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson both see consistent usage, but lack ceiling performances that made them elite last season. Deontay Johnson has yet to find the end zone this season. That's a, that's a bad uh, development for his game this year. George Pickens has scored 14-plus fantasy points in four of nine games played this season, making him a boom-bust flex. Uh, and then Pat Fryermuth has finished outside the top 10 at tight end in consecutive games played, making him a risky starter, although four teams are on bye. Ouch. Uh, it's very negative on all of them, but I, I do think that they are Well, I think it's more... It's, it's not about flexes. negative, it's about realistic. I mean, honestly... Yeah. These are players that were drafted in, in Najee and Deontay, to be specific, players that were drafted to be like uh, your RB1, your wide receiver one, and they're certainly not paying off for that. Yeah, and I started George Pickens last week as a flex, and he had a good week, but it was, you know, not super happy that it was off of a rushing touchdown, because um, <laughs> I don't feel like that's super reliable. But yeah, I feel like he's, I feel like all these players still probably make your lineup as a flex, but it's not a very exciting offense, so. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we're both picking the Bengals on the road in this one. I, I just, you know, I, I think that for I think that week one game was kind of fluky, as you alluded to, and I think uh, the Bengals are a different team since then. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Sunday Night Football. This is another primetime rematch of these two teams. We saw them on Thursday night earlier in the season. Uh, Chiefs at Chargers. So Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, no news here. They're both lineup locks. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster left the game early last week due to a concussion. Monitor his status as he is a lineup lock when healthy. Um, in the event that he does not play, we're going to talk about Kadarius Tony and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They kind of picked up the slack following Juju's departure in Week 10. Tony played 44% of the snaps, caught four of five targets for 57 yards, and his first career score uh, also had two rushes for 33 yards, so they're kind of finding ways to implement him. And MVS played 84% of the snaps, caught three of four targets for 60 yards and his first score of the season. Uh, if Juju can't play this week, would you consider flexing either of these players? Tony, yes. MVS, no, personally. See, and that's interesting to me because I thought for sure the snap percentage was going to scare you off. I just feel like he's getting more and more involved. And like you said, with the two rushes, they want to get him involved. So I think I expect mm -hmm. that to go up. Um, MVS isn't doing a whole lot with his snap percentage. I think they yeah. value Tony more. Just looking at their uh, wide receivers on just the list of them, Juju's questionable, MVS is questionable, Hardman's questionable, Tony is healthy. Uh, 
that's another thing going for him. And, you know, I saw a clip of Tony adjusting his glove before he caught one. That got people excited on social media. Just like, wow, look at him. He's really... He's really nifty with it out there. <laughs> I think that Kadarius Tony is legit, okay. and the okay. way he was managed at the Giants beginning the season was really weird. Um, but now he's in a great offense, and I, I think he's legit. Okay, cool. Well, I like that. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple, or well, for this one, one news or noise. It's about Isaiah Pacheco, who rushed the ball 16 times for 82 yards and lost a fumble on 56% of the snaps. Uh, did not receive a target in this game. So as the quote-unquote starting running back for Kansas City, is this news or noise by Pacheco? I mean, we, we watched a few plays of him, and he looked like he was running hard, but I think the no targets is negative for him. And I see what you're about to say about CEH. I don't think you can confidently start any running back in this backfield. We're not even mentioning jared mckinnon which isn't unfair but he's had like back-to-back games of six catches so it's just really weird how they use their running backs yeah no and i think you're on the right path in terms of considering this noise for now um moving on to ceh he he's been unusable for six weeks and he is still rostered in 88 percent of leagues in sleeper and 80 percent in espn do yourself a favor we talked about it earlier this year uh, we talked about selling high. Now you're in a position where you have to just drop him because he's completely unusable. We've thought he was unusable, <laughs> at least consistency-wise, even when he was booming, and that's why we were saying sell high. So he's certainly unusable now. Well, yeah, it was it was unsustainable touchdown production that was yep. elevating his uh, his status in fantasy. So yeah, yeah, this is just a a, a, a major crumble. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Chargers next. Uh, lots of injuries in this matchup. Monitor the status of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Both are expected to return to practice this week. Uh, Justin Herbert has been inconsistent, but largely due to a lack of offensive weapons around him. Herbert has one finish inside the top 10 over the past five games. That was, that was against Seattle in week seven, where he finished as QB six. Uh, last time Herbert faced Kansas City, he was QB9 on the week, so a top 10 finish there is nice to see. Uh, that was with Mike Williams active and Keenan Allen inactive, so that's important to note. Uh, since Williams and Allen have been inactive, Herbert has finished as QB18 and 24 over the past two games, respectively. Not good there. That's that's You can't even start that. No. Um, so if Williams and Allen both remain inactive, is Herbert still a QB1 for ranking purposes uh, with four teams on by? I guess not. <laughs> I mean, that's really all there is to it. He is okay. not reliable enough without his, his offensive weapons. Uh, he'd be someone that'd be really annoying to roster this season, I am sure. Um, yeah. QB15 on the season. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's had more than 20 points in our scoring once uh since which is six week point five. passing touchdowns yeah since week five he's eclipsed mm-hmm. 20 once yeah i think you need at least one of those guys to be healthy well i think that's fair um you know given what uh giving what i keep wanting to call them san diego but uh giving <laughs> what la is dealing with here with injuries i'm going with the chiefs on the road for yeah. sunday night football i agree i'm not going to go against the chiefs again my jaguars can't <laughs> do it yeah all right, and let's talk about the last game on the week. That's Monday Night Football, hosted in Mexico City, and that is the San Francisco 49ers going up against the Arizona Cardinals. 
Uh, and let's start with let's start with I think the biggest story. Christian McCaffrey found the end zone late in last week's game to salvage an otherwise quiet performance for his standards. He got you 17.7 fantasy points, uh, 14 rushes, 38 yards, a touchdown, four catches on six targets for 39 yards. Uh, definitely, I mean, the fact that he didn't eclipse triple digits on any statistic or combined, rather, is pretty unexpected for McCaffrey at this point in his career. Yeah. Um, so I'll ask you, Carson, news or noise? Elijah Mitchell returned to game action for the first time since the season opener and rushed the ball 18 times for 89 yards, caught one of two targets for a loss of one yard on just 35% of the snaps. When he was out there, he was getting used. Um, How concerned should McCaffrey managers be over this development who has seen a drop in snap percentage from 81 in week eight down to 65 last week following a week nine bye? it's a little bit of news because it's surprising that Mitchell rushed the ball 18 times returning from injury with McCaffrey now in the offense but Mm -hmm. I think it's more likely that this was just a day that Mitchell was having uh, a lot of efficiency rushing the ball so they just kept on giving it to him and I still feel like with how they use McCaffrey especially in week nine with how they used or in yeah which week was it that he threw threw a touchdown yeah in week eight eight. how they used him in that week I just feel like he still very much is the focal point of that offense, probably, even though Debo still does exist, but I think it is McCaffrey now. And uh, Well, we're going to talk about Debo, too, so yeah, uh, we'll get to that. And I see that, but I think it's a little bit of news because it's surprising that Mitchell was so involved, but I think that McCaffrey is probably going to bounce back and get better usage um, and uh, out-touch Elijah Mitchell. They have the same number of touches, it seems. Or no, they one fewer. Mm-hmm. So that's surprising for sure. But I, I think that, I guess I'm saying I thought it was a little bit of news, but it's probably noise. But it is still surprising that Mitchell's involved. So I okay. don't see that completely so, going away. Right. My takeaway is hopefully you have Elijah Mitchell as a handcuff for Christian McCaffrey. Um, more, more often than not, McCaffrey's going to get his, especially in the passing game. And so I'm less concerned about him. But, you know, watching this game, it did feel like Elijah Mitchell was back to opening season or season opening version yeah. of himself. So it's a little concerning. I, I, I can't, I can't completely disregard it. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the pass catchers, Brandon Ayuk led the team in receiving, catching six of seven targets for 84 yards. Also losing a fumble in last week's game. Um, I think he is just a lock it in flex uh, moving forward, and with Debo Samuel, who saw four rushes for 27 yards and caught just two of six targets for 24 yards, um, he's been struggling since McCaffrey joined the team. In the six games leading up to McCaffrey being added, Debo averaged over 15 fantasy points per game. He has yet to score double digits since McCaffrey arrived. Is this news or noise to you? I think that... It definitely limits his ceiling. He's no longer probably has that elite ceiling with McCaffrey being there because it seems like they're getting him more involved, even though what they did with Mitchell is really weird. But I think they're still finding their identity. They, they, they are winning games. They are doing well. But as far as fantasy consistency, I think they have yet to find how they want to use each of these players. And I think that it's probably only a matter of time before they do that. So I think that there's still hope going forward. I, something I just thought of was... Uh, not that it's a one-to-one comparison, but just comparing this to the Eagles offense where you just do have weeks where some players get theirs and the others are kind of left behind. And then other weeks, it's different players. Obviously, it's been McCaffrey has stayed 
most consistent, and Debo seems to have suffered, but he has been struggling with injury a little bit in that time, and Brandon Ayuk's been weirdly consistent. So, like I said, I, I expect this team to maybe find an identity and maybe be able to spread it out more evenly and more consistently, but it, it is hard mm-hmm. to guess. I think it's a good offense uh, NFL-wise, but fantasy-wise, it can be a little unpredictable. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, the last person I want to talk about is George Kittle. He has had three consecutive uh, finishes of tight end seven or better leading up to their week nine bye. I expect better days are ahead. He only caught one pass last week. Uh, I'm not benching Kittle uh, in a very favorable matchup, so don't panic on him. Yeah, I mean, you can't really bench... You're starting McCaffrey, you're starting Ayuk, starting Debo, starting Kittle. And you just got to hope that whoever you have will do well. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, moving on to the Cardinals in this one. DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, and Kyler Murray, if healthy, are all lineup locks. Uh, monitor Kyler Murray's status. He had a hamstring issue kind of spring up um, towards the you know early half of last week. Uh, he was a game-time decision in Week 10, came out in warm-ups, didn't quite feel right, didn't get the start. Colt McCoy performed pretty well well enough to beat the rams not that that says a lot but um you know i I really don't downgrade any of those uh other guys hopkins or more uh if colt mccoy starts again in this one i will say zach Ertz, who suffered a season-ending knee injury that's a huge loss to this team um, and fantasy managers as well as Ertz was the tight end three on the season uh, Trey McBride is the next man up. He's a second-round rookie. He's got huge shoes to fill. Uh, keep an eye on his involvement moving forward. He may be kind of a sneaky pickup uh, towards the fantasy playoffs. I agree with that. I think that you know they drafted a uh, second-round pick. I mean, obviously they saw a lot of value in him. Maybe even the first tight end drafted. That could be a lie, but up there yeah. for sure no, it in is. the real draft. And uh, it's it's been interesting to see Zachers just reemerge. It looked like he had fall out of his prime completely but then he came back and so yeah this injury is definitely unfortunate but yeah i do think that mcbride could be a sneaky addition yeah and then you know lastly we're going to talk about a few running backs here uh james connor finally delivered an rb1 performance like i said earlier uh are you buying or selling on him rest of the season Uh, that's difficult um (laughs) i really like 21 carries this past week you know, mm-hmm. only had 3.29 yards per carry, so that's not amazing. But I think it is a statement to be like, oh, you know, Benjamin, you're talking like that. We're going to release you because we really, really, really do trust in James Conner. So, I mean, it's hard to say bye after a boom week, but I do think that he probably has solid RB2 status for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I think what it comes down to is it's, it's similar to – or – it's the kind of situation where because he's just now performed well, um, the idea that he's been bad up to this point, maybe someone who manages him is looking to sell high, quote unquote. Yeah. I think when you're, you know, I, I don't think you're really paying at cost to acquire James Conner right now because of how he's performed last up until last week. Yeah. So, if you're confident in him moving forward, it's a good time to buy. If you think it's more likely that he kind of reverts back to how he was earlier this season, then you're selling. That's yeah. kind of where it comes down to. It, yeah, I think it could go either way. I think he's an interesting player to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Um, I will say 
sell James Conner. Okay. I think that's that's my perspective on it. Okay. I don't think that's unfair. Uh, lastly, Eno Benjamin was waived, as we mentioned before, now on Houston. Uh, Keontae Ingram becomes the James Conner handcuff to roster if you choose. Um, as we've already seen it this season, James Conner has missed time. There's no indication that he won't miss more time further down the line. So Ingram is the guy to look for if you're interested in that. Okay. Picking the, the 49ers. 49ers. Yes, we agree. Me too. In Mexico okay. City. Good call. All right, wrapping up here. Thank you all for listening and or watching. Um, we will be taking week 12 off for Thanksgiving. So we will be back in week 13 for more matchup previews. Awesome. And I'll see you next time, everybody. Peace out.